A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> no I didn't. <laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing. Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark. And I am Biz. It's been a while. How have you been, my friend? It's been nice and calm and quiet. You know, nothing really looking on the horizon. There's nothing, no big event happening later this week. No big news is happening. Or at least that's what <laughs> was the case up until yesterday when we had the bombshell we've been waiting on for news. But it, it's been a nice yes. kind of lull just waiting for the draft. But for me, I've just been anticipating the end of this month. Uh, how about you? Yeah, been good. Yep, uh, was in the lovely city of Charleston this last weekend. Um, mm -hmm. It's always nice to go there. Beautiful weather. Had a lot of fun, and um, yeah, just kind of got back in time for the for the big news. So, uh, so yeah, why don't we get into it? Quick icebreaker question for you: If you were going into this year's NFL draft, I'm assuming it would be kicker, uh, because you know of we course. talked about the the Cowboys would have needed you. Um, yeah, of I'm course. Still a little yeah. shocked that they didn't want to open up the bank. I knew you were a bit pricey for them, but yeah, they couldn't really me, afford me. So not really. Yeah. No. If yeah. you're going to this year's NFL draft, what pick slash team would you want to be drafted? So, like, do you want to be a high pick and go to a bad team, or do you want to be a low pick and go to a good team? I think as a professional athlete, you always want to be picked high, it, it, even though you know that you're probably going to a team that was pretty bad last year. That's just obviously the nature of the way the draft works. Um, but then the flip side is obviously if you're a lower pick, then you have the chance of already going to a contender or a team mm -hmm. that has aspirations to go far in the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. Uh, it's always tempting to go, oh, you want to, be, you want to be drafting number one. But actually, how many number one picks over the last, I don't know, even 30 years have been surefire things? You know, maybe a handful. Demarcus obviously. Russell. <laughs> well he was the na first name that sprang to my head yeah um you know you've got andrew luck trevor lawrence obviously some defensive players you know miles garrett has been very good but he but even there like miles garrett as good as he is is he the the beast we thought he was going to be when he came I out of college uh miles garrett oh, I think okay he, is. he okay, absolutely is i don't know i i i slightly <laughs> i slightly disagree with that i think he's an excellent excellent defensive player but and I'm not saying that, like, of course, like, no, no one can say, well, they were wrong to take him with the number one pick because that's not true at all. But in this particular draft, we talked about it. There are no, in terms of the quarterback position anyway, surefire things. And so there's part of me that's like, well, may, maybe I'd like to draft in the middle of the first round or maybe even to the, the lower end of the first round because you might get more value for money, so to speak. Personally, for me, I, I think if I was being drafted in this year's class, assuming that there are no trades, I'd probably want to go number four overall to the Colts. Uh, Indianapolis is a fun city to be in. Uh, number four overall means I get a pretty, pretty awesome contract compared to the rest of the class. It's right. not number one great, but it's a pretty awesome yeah. contract. And of course, I'd be quarterback. I mean, they, they don't have a quarterback there at all. So like, you'd, I'd be competing with Sam Ellinger, who uh, he would probably throw circles around me, but I'd be going in as quarterback. 
yeah, I, I think I'd get a few years to be able to try to do something with Jonathan Taylor as the guy who uh, gets to divert everybody away yeah, from me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be absolutely. okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Up until yesterday, we were planning doing this episode with just focusing on the draft and a couple of uh, signings, but not quite breaking news. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it finally happened. Aaron Rodgers is officially, well, almost officially, barring his his physical, uh, a New York Jet. The New York Jets and Green Bay Packers finally decided that, you know what, we've been holding on for this for a while. The uh, Packers were really, really looking into getting that 13th overall pick from the Jets, and the Jets were like, that's stupid, we're not going to give up a spot in this year's draft, uh, in this range of the draft. And you know what? The Rodgers, the Packers found an opportunity to be able to make it happen. Overall, here's what the trade was. The Jets receive Aaron Rodgers, the 15th overall pick in this class, so they get a first-round pick, and the number 170 pick in the fifth round. So they all ended up getting two picks and Aaron Rodgers in exchange for the 13th overall pick, the 42nd overall pick in the second round, the 207th overall pick, which is a sixth rounder, and then the big topper, which is a 2024 next year second round pick that will become a first round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of snaps. So the big thing about this, to try to break this as simply as possible for me, the swap of the Jets getting a fifth and the Packers getting a sixth is a round-around swap and the 13th pick trading for the 15th pick is a little bit of positioning and a round-around swap as well. It's certainly mm. better going from 15 to 13, but it's essentially swap of picks uh, to kind of break even a little bit. And yeah. what the Packers are really getting in earnest is the 42nd pick this year and mm -hmm. a second next year that becomes a first. So they're getting two seconds and a conditional first. Or two seconds, one of which being a conditional first for Aaron Rodgers. To me, I think that that's pretty balanced trade. And the Packers got what they wanted, which was slightly better positioning in the first round as well. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's such a, it's, it's almost just such a non-story now. I'm just so like over. We've it. been waiting for and it for think, a month and a half. And I think, I think everyone is in that same position. There was this kind of actually, who cares? I mean, as you say, there, there was actually a, a report a couple of days ago that were like Packers and Jets have re-engaged in talks um, because there was just this impasse for, as you say, like a month or so. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, I'm just, it's finally happened. It's finally over, and it's just like. Almost so what? I mean, we sort of knew it was going to happen. I think now there's the question of, you know, the picks. I think it was a fairly balanced trade. I actually think the Packers are getting a fairly good deal out of it. Um, and it remains to be seen. I mean, for the Jets, it is Super Bowl or bust, to quote a phrase that's often used. Mm -hmm. it's, that's why you make the trade for Aaron Rodgers. You get a Hall of Famer, you get a Super Bowl champion, although it seemed like 100 years ago when he won a Super Bowl, but... He is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, although he had a very down year last year. And it yes, remains to be seen, well, again, a bit like Russell Wilson, well, was that an anomaly because he didn't have any receivers and the Packers weren't a good team? And he had a broken thumb. Yeah, but again, I look at, you know what? You have a playoff game to get in the playoffs in the last week and to beat a division win. rival at home. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say choke job, but, you know, 
uh, did any, uh, you know, no one was betting against Aaron Rodgers. Every, everyone and their dog thought the Green Bay Packers were just going to steamroll the Lions with all the marbles on the table. And the Lions showed up and the Packers just couldn't, they, they, they played a little bit soft. They didn't get a lot, not, not really much going on. And so is, you know, that's why the Jets made this pick. They have a lot of pieces. We talked Brees Hall. They've got a lot of good rookies. Garrett Wilson. They've got a good defense. Sauce Gardner. Robert Salah had a much improved year as a coach last year. They've got all the pieces. Obviously, they just hired Nathaniel Hackett. So that's, that's going to be interesting too, to see what happens there. But he was Aaron Rodgers' previous coordinator. They're buddies. So, right. But again, that just doesn't... It doesn't necessarily mean that just because it works somewhere, it's going to work in another place. You can just look to, you know, the, the, the empirical evidence of um, Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. I mean, you know, when he went to Indianapolis, everyone was like, oh, well, you know, he was his coordinator in, in Philadelphia when, you know, he had that amazing 10-game stretch. And literally, he's never had any stretch like it since then. So... You know, it's Super Bowl or bust. I wouldn't even say it's playoffs or bust. I mean, you sign Aaron Rodgers to go to the Super Bowl. And I would say anything less than going to the AFC Championship game would be deemed a failure. I would agree that uh, they have extremely high aspirations right now. But the Jets gave up an incredible amount of value to be able to grab Aaron Rodgers. I think that if they ended up getting two second-round picks they're probably not happy because that means that Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing for a good bit of this season. I think that the Jets would be thrilled if they ended up going to the playoffs, making some noise, and then having to give up that first-round pick. I think that would, be, that would be a price increase that they'd be more than happy to pay because mm. it also means that that first-round pick is going to be in the high 20s and 30s. So it's yeah. going to be less impactful. The thing that I'm coming back to on this is the fact that the Jets haven't tried to move off of Zach Wilson. Um, and keep in mind, they so, just got Aaron Rodgers, so it yeah. could be that they were just trying to make sure, like, hey, we got our contingency plan. We're going to be able to make sure that, like, we have some type of consistency, even if Zach Wilson isn't what we think the guy is. But Sala has repeatedly mentioned that what he wants to do is make sure that Zach Wilson stays on the team for future aspirations. doesn't seem like they think that Rodgers is going to be around for three, four, five years. What if... Zach Wilson starts to develop as a quarterback because he's got a guy that will humble him as much as Aaron Rodgers can and yeah. good for everybody. This, this could have the potential of being an NFL story the likes of which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Just somebody who's fallen off of the wagon or like done his own thing and not really succeeded in the NFL and then come back and proven everybody wrong. Those are always fun stories to see. Geno Smith was something similar to that where like he just couldn't handle... The, the New York crowd was incredibly immature, bounced around for a while, and now he's looking like he's going to be a cornerstone for Seattle unless we draft a quarterback in the top of the draft this week. But yeah, I, I would I, like I to see something like that if he can mature up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting because, again, there's, there's just this eerie similarity between, obviously, what happened with Brett Favre 15 years ago. You know, he goes to the Jets, was pretty poor. Well, was very poor. And then... He goes to Minnesota and was excellent for that. For that lit kind it of, up that season. Yeah, he just it was absolutely unbelievable. And so I almost wonder with Aaron Rodgers whether that might be the case too, whether it just won't work out in New York and then maybe he'll go somewhere else 
um, and and again, kind of have another resurgence. But yeah, it, I mean, I, I don't think the whole this thing about the bright lights of the big city of New York. I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers. He's basically been the he's most going to be fine. But yeah, he's going to be fine. He's, he's, he's going to be fine. The most famous player in the NFL, basically, now that Tom Brady's retired. So, you know, he's the biggest star in the NFL still. So, you yeah. know, I think he's going to be fine. And to be honest, while the Green Bay itself is a small place, the Green Bay Packers are one of the cornerstone biggest franchises brand. of that NFL. They're one of the biggest brands in the NFL. So it's not like he played. I mean, there's an argument that they're a much bigger brand than the New York Jets. So he just played there for know, the last yeah. like, like 15, 16 years. So, yeah. Did you see what Joe Namath had offered and what Aaron Rodgers will decide to do instead? Yes, about the um, the number that he may well yeah. wear number eight, even though Joe Namath said you're okay to wear my number. But that's, that's, that's actually a nice gesture. Yeah. That's classy from both of them, I think. It is. Um, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers intentionally is not going to take Joe Namath's 12 um, for the sake of, you know what, I appreciate what you're offering for this. Yes, this is a great thing for the club, uh, but I want to go ahead and create my own legacy away from the number 12. You know, right now there's also the stigma that that's Tom Brady's number. But having Aaron Rodgers create a new chapter, turning the page on what 12 was in Green Bay and now going to 8, which was his number before... Yeah, that that sounds like an awesome story, but classy move on Joe Namath's part. Yeah, absolutely. That's not the only bit of news that's happened over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we had our first major quarterback extension happen uh, from this offseason. Pre-free agency, we got, you know, the Derek Carr, the Jimmy Garoppolo signing. We got Geno Smith. These were all like, you know, palatable signings. Mm. We now got something to bite our teeth into with... Jalen Hurts signing a five-year, two hundred and fifty-five mil. Sorry, two hundred and fifty-one. Yes, I believe. No, it's two hundred and fifty-five million dollars because it's fifty-one million per year. Um, this kind of came out of nowhere, and honestly, I can't imagine a player in the league that deserves it more than Jalen Hurts does right now. He put up one of the biggest like jumps in performance. Has only been the starter for the Eagles. Uh, full-time for two seasons, has led them to the playoffs twice, led them to Super Bowl once. Uh, he's one of the premier ads in the league, and he's going to be one of the top players drafted in the uh, in fantasy football for next season. Uh, I, 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 love the, I love the kid. Uh, I, I love his story. I love the fact that he kept getting passed over for other, other players, other teams, fell out of the first round, and now he's he's... He still got more to prove. He even made the comment the, the day or so ago that said, money is nice, but championships are better. So I love the fire. Yeah, it couldn't happen to a more deserving player in the NFL. Not just you mentioned about him going down the, the, the draft rounds when he was drafted, but just even at college, his highlight, he, he, he's always been remembered as the guy that was subbed in for, like subbed out for Tua. And yeah. then Tua, Tua goes and wins a national championship for Alabama. Then they go with Tua, he goes to Oklahoma. But then at Oklahoma, he has a great year, takes them to the playoff, and is a finalist for the Heisman. Like ev- Everywhere he's been doubted, he just proves people wrong. When he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, everyone was like, is he the guy? Is he the guy? And or is he sure, just like the rotational uh, backup he, running? Right, yeah. exactly. And he just keeps proving people wrong. And I'm so happy for him. Um you never, you never hear like a bad word about him in terms of his character, his leadership. He's a guy that motivates his team. He's still very young, and he is the leader on that team. And 
it seems that people want to play for him um, and he makes other people better too. And I do think that team is probably only going to get better. I mean, they have two amazing wide receivers. Um, the one thing I would say is about the whole contract. I mean, it's worth 51 million a year, but it, it sort of isn't because it's only if he meets all the incentives and the goals. Like I think the average average salary rate isn't, isn't the highest per year in terms of his, his like guaranteed salary. Mm-hmm isn't you know Deshaun Watson's or um, no but he does have 179 million guaranteed though absolutely absolutely and that leads to the other question I guess Uh, you know what does this mean for Lamar Jackson because you'll say Lamar Jackson was holding out for you know 230 whatever Deshaun Watson money and now here's Jalen Hurts who yes you can say it's 250 but actually isn't really it's 179 and it's been out there that Lamar Jackson won't accept that. So, yeah, it's interesting to see how that pans out moving forward too. We have a couple of more contracts that we're waiting for for this summer. Um, clearly, everybody is still waiting on to see what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. Is he going to get traded? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're approaching the draft, so that means that if the Ravens are going to get something for this year's first-round picks, it's going to happen. I think if a trade happens, it might happen uh after the draft because i don't think teams want to give up a first round pick this year and then give a yeah. contract money to lamar um but we also have two other huge contracts that could push the needle uh both of mm. them could theoretically be higher than Jalen's. Uh, yeah. justin herbert your favorite guy in the league and then joe burrow they're both <laughs> yeah, waiting exactly on their yeah. big contracts which will I'm likely sure they're happen going to push the ball. yeah they're going to oh, push yeah. the ball probably even higher so yeah yeah, I think people are expecting Joe to sign somewhere between uh, fifty-two to fifty-five million a year, somewhere in these six million, uh, six years over three hundred million dollar range. Which wow, uh, it would be the first time that the the Bengals have opened up the checkbook for somebody like that. Yeah, but um, again, it's it's mar- it's market price, it's market price, but also you can't you can't quarterback to a premium you say oh it's the most overvalued position in the world probably and so if you've got someone that's excellent you've got to keep them that's just the way it goes because otherwise you're just going to lose them and he'll go somewhere else and get paid his money so that's just the way it goes so you know so every single time i'm coming back to this idea of the quarterback money market keeps going higher and higher and higher and higher mm. and people are like but you ha- can't compare you have to compare them to the previous contracts i have to keep reminding people uh of one of my favorite quotes from the past several years uh by fat joe <laughs> yesterday's price is not today's price yes yesterday's yes. price is yeah. not today's price so i don't yeah. care if pat mahomes contract is going to start getting left into the dust. It's part of the reason why the Kansas City Chiefs made him a half-billion-dollar offer for mm. 10 years is because they saw what the quarterback market was going to have. Yeah, uh, It's part of the reason why um, the Browns quickly, during this non-settled, uh, pandemic-affected uh, salary cap, and gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract because they saw into the future. Five years, 238, we're not giving him $50 million a year going mm. forward. Let's lock it up now because we're slowly approaching sixty million a year, and Deshaun yeah. Watson's contract, even if fully guaranteed, is going to start looking like it's a hell of a deal in the yeah. next two years. Yeah, because yesterday's yeah. price is not today's price. <laughs> 
Um, speaking of Lamar Jackson, uh, the Ravens a little while ago made a move to yep. bring in an additional weapon to the organization. Odell Beckham Jr. signs a one-year $15 million contract that can go up to $18 million. It's higher contract than I think most people expected OBJ to get, considering the injury history that he's had and the length of time it took for him to come back. But this seems to be a... I'd hate to say a half-hearted piece yeah. attempt yeah. to try to get Lamar Jack to, to come back. He's like, hey, yeah, we got rid of, of uh, Hollywood Brown last year, but but here's a wide receiver that, you know, just won a Super Bowl last year with a team that he just jumped onto. And, I mean, sure, I don't think it's going to push the needle for Lamar that much. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think this was kind of – well, I, I think it, it was a business decision for both teams, really. I will say the Ravens do need an upgrade at wide receiver. They need better wide receivers. They didn't really have that they last do. year. Effectively, their best receiver is, for the last couple of years, has been Mark Andrews um, uh, at the tight end position. It's not even close. Right. And so they signed a, le a legitimate wide receiver. But, but it remains to be seen. How good he is, is he? I mean, he, he didn't play at all last year, obviously recovering from a, a really mm. significant injury. And, and those injuries to wide receivers can be very devastating on their speed, on the way they turn, whether the way they run routes. And it's tough, that, but we saw what he did when he, when he was with the Rams and when he signed with them towards the end, he was excellent. And I think he was a big reason why they went all the way to the Super Bowl. And even in the Super Bowl, he was on his way to probably being the MVP. And then he, you know, had a horrible injury and he hasn't played for a really long time. But I think it's a good deal for um, OBJ too. You know, 15 million a year, I think. It's a good it's a good deal for him to show what he can still do and maybe, you know, maybe then he'll get a, a bigger contract moving forward. But I agree with you on Lamar. I don't think it's going to make any difference in terms of Lamar's thinking process and Lamar Jackson, like whether it's going to make him more inclined to stay for, for less money. Yeah, I, I think there's still going to be a lot of work to try to get Lamar to even play this season. Uh, I think we're going to start to see another another situation like uh, Le'Veon Bell, where we may get a star mm. player not play at all. Mm. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, you start to wonder, like, are the Ravens going to try to create some kind of a backup scenario? Yes, yeah. they have a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback backing him up and Tyler Huntley, who was a pro bowler this last season. Both you and I have talked about that subject before. Um, but part of the question for that then leads toward the draft and says, well, do they just take a quarterback in the first couple of rounds just to make sure they got somebody in case Lamar doesn't come back? Yeah, yeah. I would say that that is the last really intriguing non-story in the yeah. NFL right now is the Lamar Jackson situation. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's going to be resolved until August. So No, I agree. Like, if nothing else can be changed from this, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are the question mark in the AFC North, and you've got the Bengals, who are clearly the, the cream of that division right now. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Browns, who are going to get a full offseason with Deshaun Watson yeah. and finally get something to be able to work towards on that. And you've got the second year of Kenny Pickett, who looked really good down the stretch last year. So he that did. division is possibly wide open, especially if the Ravens are going to fall off a cliff if Lamar's not there to lead yeah. the ship of Lamar Jackson. Yeah. No, it's going to be competitive next year. If, like, depending on what happens with Lamar Jackson, yeah, if they don't sign him or who knows what's going to happen, 
yeah, the Ravens could be in trouble in that division. I don't know. Listeners, I want to hear from you guys. Do you think that Lamar Jackson's story is going to find some type of a conclusion before training camp starts? Because that's really the next big deadline is training camps in June. Uh, but go ahead. I, I'd love to hear from you guys what your takes are. So draft stories are starting to pick up a lot. Like we're getting leaks from this organization. Oh, they're, this team's definitely going this way. Oh, this team's definitely going this way. Um, we have been sitting with the Houston Texans taking a quarterback at two. Um, it's been literally every, every single quarterback could potentially go to the Texans at two. Uh, and now we're getting stories that say that, oh, the Texans, they, uh, they're not going to take a quarterback in the first round if Bryce Young goes one. And I'm just thinking, really? We're only finding out about this the last week of the draft? Right, yeah, exactly. Like, how many smoke screens in, pop up in yeah, the last in, week with teams trying to like move people off to try to increase the trade yeah. value? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So like maybe the Texans are thinking, hey, maybe we can even get the Colts to jump up at two and they'll give us all of their first round picks in the future. I, I don't. I'm not believing anything, uh, but all I can do is believe my own intuition, look at the, uh, the needs of every single team, and I can put myself into the fold of all of these mock drafters. You know me, yes, I've I, I looked into these college <laughs> players for a long time. You spent hours this... a day researching. Uh, you think I'm joking when I say that? <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, I have moved brilliant. off. I actually haven't really watched any of the, uh, the normal sports uh, the sports daily talk shows uh, because I'm now watching okay. PFF on wow. YouTube more consistently to be able to see like, what is have it they're you, looking at? I do have one question for you. Have mm -hmm. you even gone as far as doing a second round draft? Oh, I've done an entire like seven round draft at this point. I've gone <laughs> that far deep. Well, I know these players. You, you heard it here first people. Mark has seriously, you should, you could, you know what? That, that you could be a draft analyst for some of those teams out there. You can apply to your local NFL franchise. Say, do you need someone in the front office? Yeah, Seattle Mike. Seahawks, if you want somebody to be able to be a draft analyst or a scout for you guys, <laughs> just all, let me all, know. Send me your, your, your hiring it's, contact. Exactly. It's all analytics anyway, so, so you Absolutely. don't even have to know anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you checked out our uh, Twitter account, uh, there's going to be uh, a couple of mock drafts that have been posted there. Um, at this point, you can see the... Uh, the mock draft from a couple of days ago that I posted, and then Aaron Rodgers happened, and that actually changed a lot with my mock draft. Mm. So as soon as this episode goes up, there's going to be another tweet with an updated mock draft, and that's what we're going to be looking at for a bit here. There are a couple of trades because you have to kind of look into the future, uh, but I don't have quarterbacks going one, two, three, four, like a lot of people are thinking. I actually have quarterbacks going one, two, three, five, um, and I have a couple of trades in the first five. Uh, just to show the highlights, I'll talk about what my uh, my top ten picks are. I'll talk about a couple of the trades that I that I popped into here, and uh, I'd love to know what all of you all are thinking. Um, Biz has a couple of opinions uh, based off of what he's seen so far, but here's oh, here we go. Uh, number one, Panthers take Bryce Young. Uh, consensus, I think, best player, and it seems like after the interviews, like his stock is just soared. Uh, number two, the Texans, C.J. Stroud. I don't buy the not taking quarterback at two. I think it's all just smokescreen so that the, the front office can actually do something. Uh, number three, I have the Colts trading up one spot with the Cardinals uh, to be able to take Anthony Richardson at three uh, so that they get their quarterback project of the future. It's a new head coaching staff, so they have some time to develop. I think that's the perfect situation. Uh, 
Number four, the Cardinals take Will Anderson Jr. I think they would love to trade out of this spot, but I think with only Will Levis being the other quarterback available, I think that their cost is going to be too high, uh, and I think the value for just taking the last available quarterback is not going to be there. That being the case, I do have the Seahawks trading down out of five to 11 with the Titans so that the Titans can jump up and get their quarterback. Um, it's been going out for a couple of months now that apparently... Uh, the front office is not particularly high uh, on Malik Willis out there in Tennessee, and Ryan Tannehill has not really been getting it done. So you may see Will Levis out of Kentucky stay in that mid Midwest part of the country and head over to uh, Tennessee to be able to learn the system and uh, play behind Tannehill for a season. Uh, I've got the Lions taking Jalen Carter, best available player on the board, and certainly will be a monster in that defense. Uh, number seven, with all the quarterbacks off the board, I've got the Raiders taking Devin Witherspoon. A big need for them is their secondary. Kyrie Wilson goes to the Falcons at eight. You could make the argument that they might be looking at Bijan or that they might be taking a look at offensive line, but their defense is just so atrocious and Tyree Wilson is so good. Number nine, the Bears taking Peter Skaronsky, a tackle who could really play any of the non-center positions on the line, and a lot of people think he's going to kick into guard because his arm length is not as long as you want for tackle, but he's clearly the best offensive lineman. And then Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon, goes to the Eagles at 10. There's... As far as the players in the top 10, this tends to be the the 10 players you see up here with maybe Miles Murphy sneaking in or Bijan Robinson sneaking in. A couple of trades here and there to move things around. This is my top 10. First question. Your, why, why Bryce Young over CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson? You've got them going one, two, three. Anthony Richardson, three. CJ Stroud, two. Bryce Young, one. Now, it seems, you're right, over the recent consensus has been Bryce Young has been impressive. And, um, but why him over CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson? This is a very, very weird year for quarterbacks. And it's actually a very weird year for wide receivers as well. Yeah. Every single one of these top four or five quarterbacks and every single one of the top four or five wide receivers has a big question mark over them. There's no, like, this guy's just, like, the perfect player that you can have. Uh, there, there's nothing like, oh, this guy is great. He's just a little raw, but he's got everything that you are looking for, and he looks like a prototypical quarterback. You've got projects, but all of them have question marks. You've got proven leaders, but they both have question marks as well. Bryce Young, the, hot, the height and the size. C.J. Stroud, uh, the history of non-athleticism that he's had, uh, plus the really bad... Uh, score that he had on the, uh, I think it's called the S2 test, which is essentially the Wonderlick replacement. Um, you have Anthony okay. Richardson, who has been in a phenomenal athlete, and he tested off the charts at the Combine, but needs to improve literally at every quarterback statistic. Will <laughs> Levis, who's got a cannon of an arm, uh, looks like he could be a Josh Allen 2.0, but you just don't know with those guys. And then Hendon Hooker, who looks like he's the most, like, uh, mature quarterback out of the group, but he had the ACL injury and he played in kind of like an air raid system in Tennessee where you look at your first target and then you just scan the field to find whoever's open rather than go through uh. your reads. So every single one of these quarterbacks has a problem with them. So if question I'm thinking, yeah. they've all got question marks. Um, Bryce Young was the one who apparently interviewed the best at the Combine, was the person who is interviewed best at the individual team meetings, and apparently... 
Bryce Young was so impressed with what he saw with the Panthers that he went ahead and canceled all of his other meetings with other teams afterwards. Now, the Panthers have said that they haven't made the deal with uh, Bryce Young. They haven't made their decision at that point. But I think Bryce Young at this point is, by and the large, consensus. the favorite to go number one. Yeah. So, in a way, you, you've reverted to type in terms of you're taking chalk in terms of where the quarterbacks are ramped. So you wouldn't make a leap for case for taking, say, Anthony Richardson over CJ Stroud or even Will Levis over Anthony Richardson. I could make an argument that two, three, and four, you can move their positions around, but I'm just going based off of what I think their systems would like better. Okay. Uh, the Texans have historically not had a like a big running game with their pass attack. Like Deshaun Watson can run, but he's really a pocket passer. So, which right. is why I like CJ Stroud. Right. There. That's fair. That's fair enough. Now, at number six, so given all the issues that we know have happened over the last month or so with Jalen Carter, you do still have him going pretty high, number six, very high to the Lions. What's your reasoning for that? Uh, as far as like being on the field, Jalen Carter is the very best player in this draft. Uh, had it not been for the fact that you've got all these quarterback needy teams that need to take a quarterback now, uh, have you would have Jalen Carter number one. Uh, he, right. he would be that, uh, assuming that none of these off-the-field issues have happened. Uh, and that being the case, um, his we've talked about Jalen Carter at length, and I mentioned my reservations on if the Seahawks would take him at five because I just have the flashbacks of Malik McDowell. That being the case, whoever gets Jalen Carter has the potential of getting a player that is as talented or as great on the interior defensive line as anybody that we've seen in recent years. Um, he was... Uh, finally given his punishment for the issues that happened with the, the racing, uh, and it's not yeah. going to hang over his head for next season. So the teams no. know what they're getting with him. Um, I mentioned before that I have completely reversed course on Dan Campbell, and I think that his coaching style, his method of connecting with players is just created one of the best cultures uh, for mm. locker rooms in the NFL, and I think that's honestly the best place for Jalen Carter to go. Um, on and, and even though I've got reservations, if he ends up going, coming to Seattle, uh, I could see him succeeding and flourishing here as well with the way that the culture is set up with our organization. Uh, but I think that he's not going to fall any further than six, personally. Uh, I think he had, okay. the, the situation with a lesser player would have caused him to tumble much further down the board, but he is the, he's the very best and most ready player in the draft. He would have been the number one overall last year had he come out. Right. Yeah. That's that's fair enough. So I want to I want to drop past number ten at the moment. Okay. So a, an intriguing pick for me that you have is at number twelve with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now mm -hmm. I I'm a big fan of him. I saw what he did at Ohio State, but he really did good. have some injuries. He's he can be electric, um, and it's interesting because you have him with C.J. Stroud, obviously former mm -hmm. teammates at Ohio State, and going to the Texans. I mean, I think that could be a really good kind of pairing going forward, just like. Uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar um, Chase, you know. Yeah, your favorite uh, obviously guy. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Out of all the wide receivers, the most closest thing to a sure thing is going to be Jackson Smith and Jigma. The only knock that I have on him is he's only six foot. Um, yeah, and that's what people have said. And that's yeah. what people say. The people are like, oh, he's just going to fit into the slot somewhere, which, yes, that's prototypically what wide receivers of under 6'2", under 6'3", under 6'4", have been. Uh, but we live in a world where the wide receivers get 
more space off of the line. They can spread it a lot more. Quarterbacks get more time. And as long as you have good technique and you can get open, you can find your way to be able to make a big play, even be pl by playing the X and just like finding yourself right. going anywhere on the field. Uh, right. I think he's got the potential to play anywhere. I think his size is going to mean that teams that already have a couple of bigger receivers are going to look to keep him in the slot to start off. Mm. Uh, talking about the wide receivers for a second, this is a difficult wide receiver class to be able to yeah, judge. And if you not... look at my first round, I've only got two wide receivers two. going yeah. in the first round. I've got uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba to 12, and I've got Quinton Johnston at number 21 to the Chargers. And the reason why is just the, the, the number of different question marks. Jackson Smith and Jigba... Uh, 198 pounds, six feet. He's probably the best frame uh, with talent that you've got in the class, which is why he's the most surefire thing. Uh, Quinton Johnston has a much bigger stature. He's 6'3", 208, and when you look at him on the field, he's just got this broad chest that looks like he can make all these different angle catches all over the place. Uh, but he's got yeah. some uh, te technical issues, and he's got some hands issues that he's got to resolve. Um he was able to win with TCU because he was able to find himself just so significantly wide open. There are a lot of parallels between the way he plays and DK Metcalf plays. He's the closest thing to that type of a power player in this wide sure. receiver class. And then you've got Zay Flowers and you've got Jordan Addison. Both of them are just so small. Uh, I think Jordan Addison's size was, was it 166 is what he weighed? Yeah, um, yeah. I think you're going to start to see... That, yes, while it's less of a problem now for this type of a size to be in mm. the NFL, yeah. I think you're going to have a lot of teams. Let's say, for example, the Giants. The Giants, a lot of people have bookend a wide receiver for them. But if they don't end up getting like a Quinton Johnston on this team, they may look at this class and say, we've just got way too many undersized receivers. Yeah. Yeah. Most of their, their wide receiver core is like six foot or mm. under. It's very similar to the Ravens. Most of the Ravens wide receivers are six feet and under as well. Yeah, yeah. So this is not the wide receiver class to take a big wide receiver in the first round. Uh, there are a couple of later wide receivers like Rasheed Rice and Cedric, Cedric Tillman. Yeah. I'm hoping the Seahawks grab one of them, but we've got a couple of big receivers. We're probably not going to prioritize them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting what you say about the wide receiving class this year. It's not, it's not a stellar class like there has been in, in previous years. But I want to touch on one of your picks, which is very interesting. So at number 20, mm -hmm. you have Hendon Hooker from Tennessee going to none other than the New Orleans Saints via mm -hmm. trade, via a trade of the pick from Seattle. Now, obviously, we all know that Derek Carr just signed a big contract with the Saints yep. recently. Explain. Um, you have them taking, you know, a quarterback where you think Derek Carr is going to be at least for a few years their number one guy. Um, obviously, there's an argument I'm guessing is probably, okay, well, let's take a quarterback. Let's see what he's got, maybe develop under Derek Carr. But um, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that pick or your your reasoning. So Hennon Hooker is a really interesting uh, case. It's it's He requires almost a very, very specific situation for him to go in the first round. And while I think that there's a chance that other situations could pop up, other than this, I do think that this is the most realistic spot for Hendon Hooker to go in the first round. Seattle's always willing to trade down. They're always willing to be able to get more picks. 
And honestly, in this year's class, being able to take both of their first round picks and move the salary cap number for both of them down after the free agent signings they made, I think is going to be very important. So Seattle's going to be likely looking to move five or 20 down to a lower spot just to get a lower cap number. Um, the reason why I have the Saints moving up to take Hendon Hooker is they have a guy like Derek Carr on their team. Um, Hendon Hooker's not going to be your starter for the first season. And Dennis Allen, who's been the head coach of this team for a season, uh, didn't do particularly great. And Derek Carr is kind of a question mark. You and I both like Derek Carr. Um, yeah. We've enjoyed what he's been able to play, and I really hope that he gets the opportunity to flourish. Hendon Hooker is going to need time to adjust to how to play NFL-style ball, even if he's got the maturity level behind him because mm, of the way yeah. that the uh, Tennessee system is. So he may not be ready this year, and he may not be ready next year. He is an older quarterback, which means you he has to go to a team that's like, okay, when he's ready to play, we just need to plug him and play him, and then we need to go. Mm. I do the, think the Saints are in the division for that. I do think the Saints have a team with talent around him that can do that, and the Derek Carr contract is not that bad if they move off in a season or so. Uh, his dead cap, if they cut him like right now, is only $60 million. If they cut him next year, it's 52 But after next year, if they cut him, they're only on the hook for $17 million. And they could easily find an opportunity to say, we're going to take Hendon Hooker. We're telling Derek Carr, you go for it. And if for whatever reason, Derek Carr manages to get them over the hump and he becomes a superstar, cool. You can trade Hendon Hooker away. But this gives you the opportunity to build somebody homegrown and potentially plan for the future if Derek Carr doesn't work out because he's not been a sure thing. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. Again, it's almost a bit of insurance if Derek Carr yeah. doesn't work out. So I understand that. So I have two last, two last uh, questions for you. So, well, obviously, we all know, you know, this podcast wouldn't be the podcast without an obligatory Seahawks reference. So... In your mock draft, you have Miles Murphy at number 11, edge rusher going, going to Seattle uh, from Clemson. And you also have pick 29 via San Francisco, you taking center John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously with two picks in the first round, that can certainly build your team for the next few years and certainly get you, know, get you some excellent players. So... Explain your thoughts behind Seattle's draft and why those two plays in particular. There are two major needs that the Seahawks have in this year's draft, and they're not the two that everybody wants them to be. Everybody wants the Seahawks to draft a wide receiver in the first round. The amount of times I've seen Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba go to the Seahawks at 20, I'm just like, I mean, they need depth at wide receiver, but they don't need it that badly. Yeah, you um, still have Tyler Lockett and DJ Metcalf. Like, why... Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see it there. I think they'll take a wide receiver in rounds two, three, or four, but I don't see them using one of their first two picks in the draft on this. Um, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, take Anthony Richardson at five. You know what? I'd be fine with that. I think that that'd be an awesome development play behind yeah, it. Yeah. But this team is desperate for offensive and defensive lines. Uh, the only offensive lineman that they picked up in free agency this past year was Evan Brown. And yeah. he's like, uh, a couple of years ago when we had Ethan Postage, he can essentially play the interior spot anywhere. But he's not a starter, really. He's really a, right. do I need to fill a hole because we had an injury or because somebody's not developing? He can play there for a couple of years or a couple of games if need be. Um, so they have serious needs at center, which they really haven't filled since they traded away Max Unger. Uh, Justin Britt was great for a little while, but we don't have him either. So yeah. we don't really have a center. It's just Kyle Fuller. 
Uh, that's why I have John Michael Schmitz at the end of the first round. Uh, centers tend to get undervalued significantly in the draft, kind of like safeties. Okay. They're very important to your team, but they also don't appear really frequently in the draft. When you have a really great center that appears, like you should just go ahead and take them. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, in my opinion, in a draft that's got people like Luke Whipler, Joe Titman, uh, John Michael Schmitz is like head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, he is just the consensus best player, and he's also been linked to the Seahawks multiple times. Okay. So I think taking him at the end of the first round, if you can, is extremely valuable because you, you not, not only do you get him guaranteed for your franchise before he mm -hmm. potentially goes in the high 30s, you also get him for five years. Number 11, Miles Murphy, if you had asked me four months ago um, who the Seahawks are taking at five, I probably would have told you it's Miles Murphy. But for whatever reason, he has just been falling. And I think it's because the combine of the offseason process has caused all these other positions to become darlings. Um, you have so many quarterbacks that are expected to go up the board. You have the corners that are now appearing at the top, and now the tackles are starting to make appearances. Miles Murphy is still potentially one of the top three, four best players in the draft. But this is a deep edge class. And if you want to get a good edge rusher, you can get them in round three. Yeah. But Miles Murphy just plays a completely different type of aggression and power. And he really fits that hand-in-the-ground uh, defensive end that the Seahawks need in the 3-4. Uh, I could see them trying to take a defensive uh, tackle. Uh, maybe they go for a Kalijah Kansi. Maybe they go for a Brian Brzee in this draft. I think that they're going to wait on rounds two or three to be able to solidify that if they don't end up taking Jalen Carter at five. They okay. can really do whatever they want, but it needs to be offensive line and defensive line solidified somewhere in the first two drafts. I don't think corners are need. I don't think wide receivers are need as big as these two spots are. Okay, well, that makes sense. Now, my last question, where do you have Stetson Bennett going in the draft or do you have him going in the draft this year? Uh, that's a great question, and uh, I think you're going to hate it when I say this, um, because it seems like that I, I have planted this question on you. I've got Stetson Bennett going in round five to the Seahawks. Oh, my God. <laughs> there it is. There it is. How oh, many obligatory Seahawks the... references do yeah, we have? So I, I have Stetson say... Bennett going to round five, uh, because well, the age is a problem. Um, round he's played five? Great... Well, he's that's falling. He's so old. No, no, I'm saying to me and that's he's, too high. I thought he was. People would take him in round six, or maybe even Mister Irrelevant. Um, it's possible for there, but yeah, I think the pedigree is so. too good. He's a so, quarterback. Uh, this is not a deep quarterback class. Just to no, be perfectly frank, no. if you didn't have this rush of people that are pushing quarterbacks right now, I could make the argument only two belong in the first round. Um, I would probably only have Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson as first-round grades, quite frankly, and uh, C.J. Stroud being right there potentially to bump in. I would not have Will Levis or Hendon Hooker, but because of the value of a cheap rookie contract plus the guaranteed of having five years, just having a first-round quarterback is incredibly great value, which is why they tend to shoot up higher. Uh, it's why Lamar Jackson, when there were question marks about him, went with pick number 32. Uh right. I think that you're going to see five quarterbacks go in the first round of this class. It's only happened like three times in NFL history, but two of them have been since 2018 because of the way that the, the value of rookie contracts has been like changed. Yeah. Like you, yeah. want, you want to have that if you can. I still yeah. think you pay your quarterback, but if you can get a good quarterback, 
on a rookie contract. It means all the everything in the world. Um, but beyond these five quarterbacks, I don't really see a good one in here. Yeah. People want to put. I've seen so many mock drafts where Tanner McKee out of Stanford goes like at the very end of the first round. I'm like Tanner McKee's a sixth round quarterback. Yeah, he's he's not good. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA uh, has had the chance to be able to, you know, be something really special, but he just looked not that great this season. Okay. Um, yeah, it's cool. it's it's a. It's a not a good quarterback class out of the first no. top tier. No. And with that, uh, I think that that's our conversation about the draft, the stories that have been going around. Um, I don't want to get too much into what's going on at the NBA because we're still in the first round of the playoffs, but I just wanted True. to like give my shout-out of the week to Jimmy Butler, who wow. made up 56 points last night. Posterized Giannis last night. Yeah. He posterized he was... Giannis. He was on fire last night. They are on the brink of knocking out eight versus one seed. It doesn't happen very often, but man, that that would be impressive. I mean, I know Yanis was injured and he came back last night, but still very impressive. Um, If the Heat get out of the first round, I might like them better than any other team in the conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that playoff mentality. Yeah. And so do the Lakers right now. They do. 3-1. Yep. 3-1. Uh, do you have any shout-outs this week, Biz? I do. Now, pe- people may have seen this story over the weekend, but the mighty Newcastle United absolutely annihilated Tottenham Hotspur 6-1 on the weekend, and it was an absolute obliteration. Now, Newcastle have had a very good season. They are currently third. Spurs are fifth, but they have completely capitulated over the last few weeks. Newcastle were 1-0 up after one minute. 5-0 up after 21 minutes. 5-0. That does not happen in the Premier League. They were playing against a team with Harry Kane, uh, Son, Hugo Lloris, who was a World Cup winning captain. Um, It's the changing of the guard. Spurs just quit. They, and and their manager got, their interim manager got sacked yesterday. Um, just, uh, just embarrassing from Spurs and credit to Newcastle. It's definitely a changing of that kind of top six in the UK, um, mm-hmm. in the UK, in the English Premier League. Um, and so, yeah, cre- credit to Newcastle. It was just a breathtaking performance. How about Wrexham's promotion? Oh, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> oh, God. Talk to me when they actually get promoted to the football, um, to, to, the, to the premiership. No, I... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's so difficult. I, I mean, I don't, we, we don't have enough time to talk about it. We, but you we know don't. What? I just had to get that big in. Congrats. Congrats. Congrats to Wrexham. Congrats. <laughs> and congrats to their fans, too. <laughs> it's they been a fun it. ride. It has. It's been a fun it has. Ride. And with that, uh, my coffee is empty. Uh, and because of that, the only thing I can say is cheers. Cheers. Till next time.